Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Kebabs done right and delivered right to you via Uber Eats and Deliveroo. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast, which, well, it's a bit of a lie, isn't it? We aren't really daily right now due to the suspension of the football season because of coronavirus, but we'll still be bringing you three podcasts a week packed with news and opinion. And when the Premier League is back up and running again, we'll be firing on all cylinders too, back to seven days a week. So hit that subscribe button and as soon as a new episode is released, you'll be notified straight away. Speaking of a return to Premier League action, it is inching closer. All 20 top flight clubs will vote today on whether to step up their training programs and bring contact back into the training sessions. At the moment, players can't tackle or get close to one another. Will that change by the end of the week? We'll also put the second weekend of Bundesliga action under the microscope as stats reveal that home advantage appears to be lost with no fans in the ground and the ball is actually in play for far longer too when supporters are absent. Will this be reflected in the Premier League when it comes back? Also, we'll analyse Tottenham's chances for the rest of the season and take a look at the latest transfer gossip doing the rounds too. Hope you had a belt-in weekend. I'm Niall. This is Football Social Daily. And to go through it all, we've got Marley Anderson and Adam Keyworth. Hello, boys. Hello. Hello. How did you enjoy the weekend? Nice bit of sunshine in Manchester. We don't get that too often. <laughs> I think I've got sunstroke. Um, I've, I've been going on these mad long walks with kind of no real aim and getting lost. But I did that over the weekend and it was far too sunny. So uh, I look like a, a really bad beetroot at the moment. Um, and because I've been growing out this homeless beard during this mad time, if I shave it now, it's going to be the worst time ever. So, yeah, it's, it's looking good, really. Obviously, I've spoken to you, Keezy, through the medium of this podcast and on WhatsApp and whatnot, but I haven't actually seen your face for, what, three months, four months, something like that, maybe? So I can't physically imagine you with a beard, and that's not me trying to offend you in any way. I just can't imagine you with a beard. It's 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 just not computing in my head. It's surprising people. I'm I'm doing, like, work calls and people are like, whoa, where's that come from? I don't know. It's three three months of being lazy, so. But we're, we're rolling with it. What about you, Marley? Did you catch much of a tan this weekend or were you inside watching the Bundesliga? Uh, I'm just imagining Adam looking like, uh, you know, when Ian Beale had a mental breakdown in EastEnders all them years ago and looked like a homeless man. 
Yeah. Imagine you had him looking like that. I, do you know what? I've had worse comparisons, but I can't really tell you what they are on the pod. So <laughs> I'll, I'll have to send them in a, in a different uh, format. But um, <laughs> the the Bundesliga stuff this weekend, you mentioned that. Oh, dearie me, there's some awful football. Oh, God. It, some of it was so bad, I know it's already been talked about this week. But last night we had Dortmund, Bayern, which, to be honest, started really well. And then, oh God, it's just like biggest game of the season at the end. They all kind of wave to each other and go, bye, that was fun, see ya. It's all a bit strange and we'll come on to the Bundesliga a bit later. But where we're going to start is, of course, with Project Restart, as it's being called. All 20 Premier League clubs today will vote on whether to step up the training schedule. At the moment, it's just individual sessions or sessions of five people or fewer. There's no contact allowed, no tackling allowed. They've got to keep their distance. Of course, social distancing is in place very strictly at these training grounds. Uh, it looks like, Marley, if we get 14 out of 20 clubs voting on a on a step up of these training programmes, that we could see some tackling again. Um, that's one step closer, I suppose, but it all seems very, very slow. What's your kind of take on the whole thing? Yeah, I think um, I think it is heading, heading only one way, isn't it? I mean, we are sort of getting closer to football coming back now I think maybe by the end of June we'll have we'll have either a, a set date or we'll or we'd already be back in action I don't think it'll carry on for much longer like this I think the 14 of 20 clubs you would assume they would get that um you may be looking at the likes of maybe Watford and um Brighton or maybe even Bournemouth perhaps saying no because they've still got live cases of it at their club or, or have done in the past week or so anyway so maybe they would be be the ones who had a, a problem with it but I can't imagine many clubs would vote against it because everybody's sick of of doing nothing now they've had a weird pre-season break all the players want to get back to it if they're fit and healthy to do so um the level of of daily you know the the death rate as it was uh is coming down in the in the uh in the country um so i think the country's in a better place to to cope with it and it'll be a similar case for for footballers so with the added um tests and the constant testing at, at grounds and training grounds and what have you i think it'll only be a matter of, of weeks before we get into full contact training and the players could be in a position where they actually start to build up the the match fitness in uh, preparation for a return for for the Premier League as we have in the Bundesliga so I think uh, it's only a matter of weeks now so the end is in sight so to speak How important is it Adam to to make sure that the fitness training is done and done rigorously because your club Manchester City I think they've got 13 games in something like 50 days which is is a ridiculous uh, amount of games it might even be be less days than that I'm not 100% sure but injury specialists zone 7 have come out with some research saying that when the Premier League does return players are at an increased injury risk of 25% so that fitness work on the training ground that hard yards mm. that's being put in now might prove to be vitally important when we get back up to speed again yeah and we've talked about it at length as well about strength of squads and um, how important it's going to be that the bigger your squad you like like we go back to the Bundesliga because it's our only kind of reference point but Bayern Munich beat Borussia Dortmund based on the strength of their squad um, being able to bring these players off the bench and then being fit Pep said yesterday in like the most dystopian interview you've ever seen um, at, at like a five metre distance speaking with a mask on it was really weird he he's really like happy with the fitness of the players 
And you mentioned it being like pre-season. The big thing is the fitness because you know that the technique's going to be there and it doesn't take players who've played with each other too long to get back into the swing of that. It's the fitness. And you've even seen in the in the Bundesliga with the injuries, Haaland coming off yesterday with, a, with an injury. You've seen so many players just almost like out of nowhere just having to hobble off because the they go cold as they say don't they the the muscles are cold and they're not not used to like the rigorous routine so it's going to be important i think like marley said um none of the the clubs are going to vote against this i'm certain of that all 20 will vote uh, that they'll carry on into contact training um and then we'll go from there but yeah it's it's a bit strange it's almost as well looking at Jaden sancho coming off the bench for Dortmund he hasn't started a game since the whole thing restarted in Germany because he's not fit he looks he looks about 50% at the moment so it, it does show that it's this break's probably taken its toll on some players and some players who aren't as uh, some players I, I think always have the the body and the the athleticism to just be able to go again but some take a while to build back into it we see it with Hazard at Madrid, it used to take him a while to build that fitness back up. So some players will be fine, but it it is going to be worrying. You've got some players who are injury prone even at City. You, Mendy, Sane, even Aguero to an extent, even though he's a lot better with it these days, that you're kind of looking at them going, oh, it's it's going to be risky. Them playing like three or four games a week is what we're looking at. It's... Uh, it's going to be interesting. It's again, it's that morbid fascination of what's going to happen. Yeah, and and you know we make a point of the fitness and things like that, Marley. But you know, as Keezy mentioned, there's no pre-season as such in terms of you know usually in July you get teams playing against non-league sides or going abroad and playing tournaments against other teams in friendly matches. That's not going to happen this time around, is it? We're just going to go straight back into Premier League action. There's not going to be any warm-up friendlies or anything like that. It's either you know kind of full guns are blazing or nothing at all. Yeah, um, but I mean, you mentioned no friendlies, but I mean, every every club has um, has reserve squads and under eighteens and under twenty three squads and stuff. So I don't see why you can't play like a, a preseason friendly is literally just for fitness and and financial gains. There's nothing nothing riding on it in terms of quality and, and result and everything like that. So if you are bothered about playing friendlies, the clubs should be doing that when they can in in training if uh, if if possible. And going back to the whole, you know, going straight back into it and uh, the the uh, injuries potentially piling up, I don't really have much sympathy for clubs who have players that get injured because that's what you have a squad for. Like, part of a 38-game season is you have to use every part of your squad if if required. So, for example, if you've got... Everyone's got 25 players. Every one of them should be able to step into the team if if possible. So, in these weird circumstances... You're not being asked to to go out and do anything different. Like you go, you're being asked to to put your team out, and if 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 those get injured, then you bring in other ones. So you, your squad should be capable of playing two different 11s a week, like if 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 you need to. So for example, if you've got four or five injuries, you shouldn't be then you know complaining to the league. I mean, remember what happened in Spain earlier this season when Barcelona had. Uh, Dembele injured and they started moaning to the league that they needed a, an emergency signing. It's it's not going to be like that in in England. Like you have to cope with what you've got, and if you haven't got enough, then you haven't done enough in the transfer windows previously because everyone's on the same basis. And 
I know you don't expect to play three games in a week, but if you have to, then you have to be prepared for it because it's always an event, a possibility. Um, and eventually, you might have to uh, to rely on your squads. And there's only nine games to go anyway. I mean, there's nine games to go, and then you've got pre-season, so it's you've still got time to to get your fitness back and then build in. If you if you use this as a player, this break as pre-season, then you'd be going into next season flying because you should you should be at a level of fitness that uh, that sends you into next season that absolutely tip top shape. But it'd be interesting to see who who has because, like I'd have mentioned, uh, Hazard. I mean, Hazard used to come back in pre-season two three stone heavier than he than he left. <laughs> like the the Spanish press have hammered him because uh, he's got a, he's got a fat ass now and you know it helps his balance and his centre of gravity a bit more. But he's 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 two or three yards slower over uh, over a distance, but. Well, imagine Yaya Toure, Jesus. I know, yeah. <laughs> I think um, th- there's another interesting thing that hadn't really occurred to me until yesterday. And again, this is quite a city-centric point, but it's it's not uh, fully that. But you see that so many games get moved throughout a season and rescheduled. And obviously that City-Arsenal game got cancelled and the one after it would have been City-Liverpool. In what in which order that do they then go back and restart this? Do, do City play Arsenal? in the first game back or does City play Liverpool because the City-Arsenal game got postponed so would have been rescheduled for later in the season so it's somebody's job now to basically rewrite the whole fixture list in some sort of order that it should have been or where do you put the rescheduled games I don't understand that and then something that's been coming out this morning and uh, I've seen on Twitter a lot over the last hour is we've um We've all heard various dates flying around of when these games are going to come back, but Sky Sports will be charging customers who've taken a break from their Sky Sports football subscriptions on June the 19th. That's when customers will begin paying again. Mm. So That's a, that's a all, big arrow, isn't it, pointing exactly, to when a possible restart know might happen. The broadcasters have all the cards here financially, and if they're going to be charging fans from that specific date then that's when you imagine football is going to come back um in this country anyway so just a an interesting one but it's how do they then kick it off with which games and how many games a day and it's uh, it's mad yeah i mean i think it's a really good point you make about the fixture list as well because i mean these managers are going to want to know well particularly pep guardiola who he knows pretty thorough with his pre-match preparation as are most managers in the premier league you know, they're going to want to know whether they're preparing for Arsenal or Liverpool. And I think that, you know, something that might seem quite trivial, oh, it's just a football match against another team. I think it goes a lot deeper than that in terms of trying to figure out tactics and, and things like that. But interesting, you mentioned about Sky Sports. It's said, and most of the back pages are running with this story today in the in the British newspapers, we could see five back-to-back games on weekends when football resumes, Marley. I mean, that that's not out of the question. We could see wall-to-wall football on Saturdays and Sundays when the Premier League is back. Now, is this something that you would, would welcome or do you think we should see all games kicking off at the same time? A bit like what happened um, with the Amazon coverage over Christmas time where all the games pretty much kicked off at the same time and the consumer could choose which ones to watch rather than having them all, you know, staggered back-to-back. To be to be honest, I'm not I'm not really bothered how it how it comes back. Like I'm, I understand in the interest of, of fairness, maybe you know everyone should should kick off at the same time. Um, 
However, you know, the government are talking about this this morale boost as a as a country and what have you, like some sort of wishy washy thing. But I mean, there is a there, there is a morale thing. So if you're watching, you haven't watched football for for you know two three months or whatever whatever it'll have been by the time it comes back, you you'd maybe look at um, if you had back to back football, and you could watch four matches in a day. You can imagine the amount of people that would watch that because I wouldn't I wouldn't watch. For example, like Bournemouth versus Burnley on like a, a Saturday at half twelve, unless I'd not watched any football for the last three months. Like I'm just excited to watch it, watch anything now back in back in the Premier League. So maybe if you uh, if you put something on like that, maybe more neutral fans would watch more, and it's it's more money in the pockets of the of the broadcasters, and it gets a bit more bang for their buck kind of thing. But um, I think they've they've talked about as well the uh, relaxing the rights of of three o'clock games as well on um, on Saturdays at three o'clock because there used to be a government uh, blanket yeah, ban of it or whatever. So I I don't understand that. I I don't understand why they're even bothered about playing games at three o'clock. Just play them any time. Like yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's no fans, is there? No. I suppose what Marley's suggesting there is it doesn't matter when the games are because yeah. you're not worried about sending Newcastle to Brighton for a 12.30 kickoff because exactly. you're sending the squad and the staff, you're not sending the fans. Yeah, exactly. Play the games whenever you like. Bayern Dortmund, biggest game of the season, was half five on a Tuesday afternoon. It doesn't it doesn't matter when the games are played. And like you say, the, the first weekend when it comes back, you'll get 10 games live, back-to-back, Saturday, Sunday. There's going to be excitement around that. It's like it's going to be a big deal when it comes back but we're one week into the restart of the Bundesliga this time last week everyone was like oh yeah it's back and uh, now we've all we all support German teams one week later nobody gives a toss like it's like it's back but they've watched it and nobody's been that taken by it which I understand and almost in a similar light but not quite as set in stone Bayern beating Dortmund last night kills anything really yeah, ruined the Bundesliga, didn't it, really? So the title Liver- race, anyway. Yeah, Liverpool winning their first game is going to ruin it. So there's going to be this excitement, but it, how on earth can you keep stimulating people when it, like, over the course of the next nine nine uh, game match days or whatever they become, how can you keep the interest there? That's going to be the struggle. Because, like, we've seen... Even um, I think that's why the broadcasters want it to carry on, though, Keezy, because yeah, you know, just you know, like bang it they, out. They want they want it to carry on, not just because of the money, yeah. but because of the drama. If you take relegation off the table, which some people were were suggesting a couple of weeks yeah. ago, saying all oh, teams shouldn't be relegated because it's not fair, then what's the point of Sky Sports showing Watford's final game of the season? Or there wouldn't be Survival Sunday, the final game of the season. It wouldn't exist. Yeah. So I mean, I think the broadcasters they rely on that idea of jeopardy. In order to, you know, to keep to keep the interest there, to keep the excitement there, because there's something on the line for either team if it goes wrong yeah. for them. It's going to be tough. It is going to be tough. And we saw um, the Bundesliga yesterday trying to do the piped in uh, fan noise stuff, and it's it's weird. I I can't I can't get my head around things like that where um, you're seeing like different ideas from different clubs and all that sort of stuff from. Oh, do we bring in fan noise? Or I don't think any of it matters. Like, like I say, the most depressing thing out of it all is it's the biggest game of the season last night, and after it, there's nothing. There's no fallout. There's no. There's no real aggression. There's no real celebration. It's just kind of okay. We've done it. Move on next. And you you lose that sense of achievement as well. 
I've said it um, that if City Liverpool is the first game and either team wins five nil, I don't think any there's going to be much fallout from it. You won't get the the back and forth between the fans of oh yeah we because nobody was actually there. It it kind of loses that it, again with the Dortmund Schalke game they beat the uh, biggest rivals four nil and they just walk off at the end bumping elbows with each other and that's it move on next so there's there's been some other wild ideas aren't there about like the FA Cup being all done over one weekend almost like a Sunday league tournament just to get it done at Wembley where everyone comes to Wembley plays a couple of days games one day and the final will be a few days later so this like Marley said it doesn't really matter how it comes back it's going to come back isn't it yeah I mean we were discussing before we started recording the podcast well I was kind of saying that for me my sort of state of mind is that this weekend would have been the Champions League final and that's it. The season would have been over. And I'm thinking about where I want to go on my summer holiday before pre-season starts. You know, that's what I've been thinking of. So to me, I'm not, I'm actually not that excited at all for a return of Premier League football. I've just got, I don't know why, it just the interest seems to have been drained out of me. Maybe I'm the opposite of you, Marley. You're quite keen to see, you know, see football back again. Um, and maybe I will be when the first game's take place but at the moment I'm just a bit like oh well I'm kind of a bit exasperated with it all I'm just a bit like well I'm not really bothered and even for my own club Portsmouth we're in the playoffs um, you know if the season's ended in league one points per game we'll be in the playoffs we'll have a chance at promotion to the championship I'm still not that fussed at this moment in time I don't know what it is maybe it's just you know kind of the fact that it's been going on for so long you just kind of ready to leave it for a bit I don't know maybe that's just my own sort of state of mind regarding the whole thing but what about the Bundesliga we've mentioned it a couple of times already on the podcast just three of the 22 games played in the Bundesliga so far behind closed doors have ended in home victories now clubs were concerned in the Premier League notably Watford and Brighton and Aston Villa about home advantage in behind closed doors games now is this a coincidence Marley because um, a lot of clubs down the bottom end of the Premier League have voiced their opinions on how home advantage might be a, a big factor for them in their endeavours to stay up. Yeah, I mean, as I've said before, I, I don't really buy into this, the the home advantage thing when when there's no fans. Like, I think the one advantage you have with being at home is you've got tens of thousands of your own fans being there. So if they're not coming back, and let's be honest, fans aren't coming back into stadiums this season at all, if it even restarts, so get rid of that. So you know, get that idea out of your head that they're gonna pull you over the line if if you know you're you're in a tight game or you're against your rivals or you're in a relegation battle or whatever you are, whatever your situation is. Um, I mean, three of twenty-two. I I don't uh, wins in the in the Bundesliga. I don't really think you can delve too much into that because. At different points of the season, strange things happen. You know, one one week you might never have a an away win. Another week you might have no draws. It's just it's something that's just happened. I don't really think you can base uh, too much of insight onto that over the course of just like one and a half sort of match day weekends kind of thing. So, um, but it is it is interesting how clubs are going to get um, affected by it. But I don't really think you can say you're affected by it before it happened because you can warn that things might happen but literally anything could happen when we come back nobody knows what's going to what's going to happen like brighton don't know that they're going to um, be severely affected by no atmosphere because 
they've they've never played with with no fans before in a in a first team Premier League game. You play with no atmosphere every week. <laughs> I was going to say. I was wondering which club to throw under throw under the bus if I said that. But I think don't don't do it to Brighton because the fans get at you on Twitter. I've done that before. Um, I, I think I think it'll affect. So the whole home advantage and with Marley, I don't think. I think it's a bit of a nonsense that clubs are moaning about it, to be honest. And I think if this three of 22 home wins does prove anything, it's that maybe this home advantage thing isn't going to give you any advantage. If you look at, I always think Crystal Palace are the best example of this. Their kind of whole thing is they've got those like odd group of fans that are dead loud and dead aggressive all the time and there's about 12 of them, by the way, and sorry to slag off any yeah. Crystal Palace supporters listening to the show, but I hate it when they zoom in on the TV on that section. It makes it look like the whole stand's bouncing when there's about 12 of them with I've flags. I've been to Palace before, and do you know what? It's quite loud and quite raucous, especially when they're in the game. And that will only help the team. I, I always buy into the fact that it is going to help. And if that isn't there, and they kind of need some encouragement, you do lose that, so... If everyone's got no fans at home, you can't say, oh, yeah, but if we don't play at our home ground, we're not going to have an advantage. You're not going to have one anyway. There's nobody there, for God's sake. The only thing that home advantage gives you is familiarity of your changing rooms and the the grass and things like that. So I think that argument now goes well out of the window. It's been disproved, so never mind. What about the ball in play for longer periods of time? There's no crowd, obviously, in attendance. Uh, no one getting on top of the referee. The ball's not being thrown around the supporters. You know, Marley, I know you quite like that video of that that supporter who uh, decides to launch the ball about 50 yards uh, away from the guy who's taking a throw in. That's one of your oh, favourites. I love that. I absolutely love that. Just the 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 housery of, of the whole situation when he just goes, nope, you're not having that. Um you are going to miss that with fans, but I, the ball in play thing is—it's annoying because nobody really takes um, takes notice of that stat, and it's been around for for years. The fact that a ninety-minute match, the ball is only in play for somewhere between forty-five to fifty-five minutes, or something like that. Sometimes less, sometimes a little bit more, but sometimes less. Um, so for me, I I would always I would change the the rule of of in football of when just stop the clock when the ball goes out because a 90 minute football match isn't a 90 minute football match you can literally waste half an hour over over the course of the game by you know balls going out for throw-ins and then another minute when some fan launches a ball somewhere where it can't uh it can't be retrieved quickly and what have you but um for me i'd i'd the fan thing is is it'll definitely be interesting won't it because it's one of them where the interaction with fans will definitely be missed, but as I've said many times on this podcast before, it is what it is. It's just the situation we find ourselves in, so you've got to deal with it. I'm with Marley on that, and there being no fans, there's just less wasted time. It it The whole thing, and you've you've seen it in the Bundesliga, it almost feels like a training match in, in parts. There's like the slow build-up, and there's loads of counter-attacks, and it's quite... Uh, I don't know, it's almost a bit basketball-y at times. And the ball goes out, there's no, there's nothing to waste time with. Like you say, there's no, the fans haven't got the ball or uh, you're not having little drinks breaks and you're not, there's none of that going on. Because no VAR. <laughs> well, well, there is. <laughs> That's one thing we will have to deal I do, with, I do miss, I miss complaining about that. That was, that was like heady times where that's all we had to moan about was, oh, VAR made a, a bad decision. 
That's that was a normal occurrence, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, anyway, enough talking about the Bundesliga. What about the Premier League? We'll be talking about Tottenham. Jose Mourinho says everyone is back to full fitness now at Spurs. Does that mean with Kane and Sombeck they can challenge for the top four in the final 10 games? We'll be talking about it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Get it delivered to your door via Deliveroo or Uber Eats. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Three new podcasts a week for you. Until the Premier League is back up to full speed, then we'll be bringing you a podcast every single day of the week. So make sure you hit the subscribe button and every time a new episode is out, you'll be notified straight away. Also on Fridays, it's our Q&A podcast. It's your chance to send us some questions in, uh, you know, whether it's the worst haircut in the Premier League of all time. We've had that question before. We've had loads of different questions. So if you've got one you want us to discuss on the show, get in touch with us on social media. Media. It's at the Sports Social on Twitter, and you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook as well. Right then, now time to talk about Tottenham. Jose Mourinho reckons everyone at Spurs is back to full fitness. Maybe that's because he's been breaking lockdown by training them all in the local park. But with Kane and Son back, can they challenge for top four in the final ten games, or is it a step too far, Keezy? Um Well, football's been gone that long that I can. I, I just had to check who was in the top four, where Spurs were, how many games are left. Um, so now I've done that, Spurs are seven points off the top four with nine games left. And do you know what? It it makes sense if I look to who they've actually got to play because that's another thing that we don't know. They've got to play United next at home, apparently. Then they've got their other tough games, are Arsenal, Leicester, Sheffield United. They've got a pretty tough running, let's put it that way. Um, do you know what? Yes, they could finish in the top four because, as Marley said, and we've already discussed on the pod that anything can really happen here and anything with the whole new scenario we've seen weird results elsewhere with their leagues back there could be some really odd results going about so yes they could uh seven points is quite a lot with nine games left but they have got to play united which would see them into fifth and then they can start climbing so they could but i think yes their their players are back son and kane and bergwine but Everyone else's players are back. United have got their uh, Rashford back, or they will have by that point. Um, City have got Sane back. They, there's other teams as well who are in a, a better position than they were. No no teams, as far as I'm aware, have suffered any further injuries during this period. So Spurs are in a good spot with having a full squad, but I do think it might be too little too late at this point. Could happen though. For me, it feels like the sort of scenario that would suit Jose Mourinho quite nicely. You know, there's been a big break and if there was any team that was going to come back. It would be, you know, Jose behind the scenes, riling everyone up saying, you know, this is our chance, boys. But as you mentioned, Son's recovered from a, a broken arm. Harry Kane's back from that ankle injury. Posted quite a cool video, actually, uh, on social media of a, of a training drill against Hugo Lloris and just looks as sharp as ever, Harry Kane. Just one of the best finishers I think I've seen in, in a long, long time. And I don't think he gets the credit he deserves, to be honest, but that's a different mm-hmm. story. Marley, we've we've spoken on the on the podcast earlier this week on, on Monday's show, the What Might Have Been show. Um, none of us picked Spurs for a top four finish, or I don't think any of us picked Spurs for a Europa League finish. So now we know that everyone's back to full fitness. Would that kind of change our thinking, do you feel, or no? Um, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, about the whole injury situation I don't think any team has benefited more from this this whole pause in the in the season than Spurs because they were 
just they had no one left, did they? By by the time this uh, this all started, they had no strikers, they had no goals in the team. They had uh, Bergvain, Son, and Kane all injured, playing Lucas Moura as a striker, trying to gel under a new manager with new new ideas and new systems and and new philosophy and that kind of thing. But coming back, they've had Harry Kane, who's been rehabbing for what for three four months or whatever it's been so he's fully fit so there's there's you one thing Hyung Win Son's gone to South Korea and uh, finished first out of 200 odd people in a military fitness test so he's he's raring to go he's got no uh, no arm injury to worry about <laughs> Bergvine will be coming back as well so if you're looking at teams that have benefited from this I don't think anyone's benefited more than Spurs um, and it's a, it's their perfect chance of actually winning well not winning anything but um, coming through and, and claiming a, a European spot but with with the way they were playing before the uh, before the league uh, ended or was postponed I don't think they showed any signs of, of anything cl- really clicking um, in terms of getting to know getting to you know a, a style of play under Mourinho that, that made them a real challenge and as, as Adam said there's they've got got a few uh Tough games to come up when they uh, when they do resume, and the likes of Man United and Sheffield United and uh, Arsenal, I think uh, I think was mentioned as well. They're they're tough games, so they haven't gelled under Mourinho since. So what what suggests they're gonna gel when they do come back? Like it's it's even harder. I think that's a good point. That um, yeah, they've got these players back, but Spurs weren't playing good enough football. I think is the is is the bottom line. Yes, they've got these. Their best players, let's be honest, the best players are coming back in. But the actual football they were playing, you could have put like prime Ronaldo and Messi up front there and they still would have struggled because they were, like like Marley said, they just weren't clicking. So there is that. And the, the other thing to note here is fifth place might get you uh, Champions League this year. If if the City case goes belly up, then there's there's a big chance that fifth will get you Champions League. So... That might be what they're aiming at. Top four might be quite tough to get into, but if they can nick fifth place off uh, United or Sheffield United, then they've got every chance. But I, I do really think that when the, the league comes back, there'll be some very, very odd results. I think as well that um, City, I think, need like... Like, they could win three games and finish second, guaranteed. And Liverpool need to win two games to win the league. So they might start resting players because there's the FA Cup and the Champions League and whatever coming back. So there might be some of those weird results that come up. And I wouldn't be surprised if if someone like a West Ham went to Spurs and won because they'll need to. So they, I'd be surprised have, if West Ham went to anywhere and won, to be honest. To be fair, I'd be surprised if West Ham ever win again. Um, <laughs> you never know. They, they might be the team that come back and they're actually really good, but they won't. Um, but yeah, I think Spurs have come out of it I, I don't like saying well because nobody has, but Spurs having these players coming back is a massive plus for them. Uh, it's just like Marley said, can they actually play together as a team under Mourinho? That definitely remains to be seen. Marley said about how no team has benefited more through this period than Spurs. Well, certainly Sergio Aurier has benefited a fair amount. He's just been doing what the hell he wants, getting haircuts, going that, to the gym. He doesn't give a f- Do you know what? The, uh, the whole getting a haircut thing... I still think is the most stupid thing of the whole the whole uh like footballers doing silly things only because it's the most obvious thing you could have had done. If you come back with a fresh new haircut <laughs> you, yeah. you didn't just do it yourself, did you? 
Yeah. Like you're on you're on TV. You absolute dope. Yeah, like, you go from Andros Townsend to Paul Pogba in a rate yeah, of what are you three hours. Unbelievable. You've just got to make it. You've got to make it look like you did it yourself. So give yourself <laughs> like a little scissor mark, like cut a bit of your ear off. <laughs> you're like, oh, I did it myself, lads. It's fine. Yeah. Or just yeah. don't post it on Instagram. Muppet. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're going to move on to some transfer news now. Enough about Serge Aurier. What about Manchester United? Uh, they look set to lose Odin Igalo, who they brought in on loan from Shanghai Shenhua, back to the Chinese club. And it's said that Shenhua are prepared to make him the highest paid African player of all time. Now, after Samuel Etu, uh, Anzi Makachkala back in the, the Russian league about 10 years ago was on a hell of a wedge, uh, that's going to take some doing. But it seems, Marley, that they really want Igalo back in Shanghai. Um, but he's actually hit the ground running pretty nicely in, in Manchester. And I think he's probably been um, better than most people expected at Old Trafford. Yeah, he's been, he's been one of them uh, where you've got a lot of a lot of bang for your buck. You've not really paid much for him. You've got him on a short-term deal, like a risk-free thing. And it could only really... It couldn't really go wrong, even if he scored no goals. He was only a backup. Mm. Um, and as, as it turns out, he scored a few. He got a great goal in the Europa League against uh, them nobodies from whoever, whatever they were from. Was it Linz, Austrian <laughs> side or whoever it was? Um, so he's he's done well. Um, but the thing the thing is with buying from China is it's always gonna be uh, it's gonna it's gonna be expensive if you're gonna turn it into a, a permanent deal because they're gonna say. Like, look how much money we're pumping into this deal and how much we're paying him a week. And they would always want to be reimbursed for that if they are going to let him go permanently. You've got to remember that um, Shanghai, he's their number one player. He's their Bruno Fernandes, for example. Like, he's the guy who they build the whole team around. And for them to let him go, they're going to want to be reimbursed big time and they're going to have to then go and spend that money on someone else. And in the current situation, attracting people... Um, well, transfers uh, uh, all over the place with what's going on in the world and especially tra- attracting one to China um, in the current circumstances might be a little bit more difficult than it than it already was. Um, I think with, with Igalo, though, he's, he's been very good and he would what, he would obviously want to play for Man United as, as he's, he's said time and time again, you know, he's grew up supporting them or what have you and um, he would do anything to, to be there at Man United for the for the foreseeable future, but if you're pumping in twenty million quid to a, a squad playing thirty year old striker and you've got to pay him a fair wedge, I just can't see it happening. Really, I can't see that financial outlay being spent on on someone like Igalo for me. So I think it's just been a a short term holiday romance kind of thing where they say, All right, thanks thanks for everything, but your clubs are making it too hard to buy you. If if he was a free agent, it'd be a be a no a, a no brainer for me. But I don't think uh, I can't really see a future for him at Man United until a contract runs out in China, for example. It reminds me of when LA Galaxy loaned David Beckham to AC Milan. Uh, I'm not saying Igalo and Beckham are as good as each other by any stretch, but just a you know a decent player being loaned from a, a bang average club to a massive massive football club just seems really weird um and then you know the smaller club holding all the cards for that matter uh, rumors suggesting it could be 400k a week easy to keep him in china his loan deal expires in approximately 4 days the 31st of may an extension is on the cards but the problem is the Chinese Super League season restarts in June and obviously they've had their season suspended too. So, I mean, as Marley says, it's not a case of Igalo going and playing some football whilst the Chinese season is off and in their pre-season 
period, um, it looks like that you know they're going to lose him for the first few games if Manchester United get their way. Has, has anybody got this guy's agent's number? Um, <laughs> because this is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I I think the whole thing is he he went to United, uh, kind of like his dream move. He did really well, um, but like United fans aren't going to be that that bothered, really. Like, let's be honest, they they can shoot a lot higher. And yes, he's done well and whatever, but they're not going to start forking out 400 grand a week for him, are they? So I think it very much will be a, yeah, cheers for coming. Thanks for getting those few goals. Really nice to have you. See you later. Um, and if, if he doesn't take the money, he's stupid. If somebody's offering you 400 grand a week, it doesn't matter where they are. You just take it and there's the rest of your life sorted. Absolutely, that's how I feel about the whole Gareth Bale thing as well, going to China. I mean, he's 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 won everything there is to win, um, Champions yeah. League four times, scored in finals, whatnot. I mean, if he wants to go to China, who cares if he's thirty? Set yourself up for life, and you know, enjoy your enjoy your family life for for the last exactly. few years. Um, what about Newcastle United, Marley, your club? Lots of links to Coutinho, but that's not the transfer speculation that I want to focus on. I want to focus on the fact that the tune might pick up Jerden Shakiri from Liverpool. This actually feels like quite a good fit for Newcastle at this moment in time I'm not sure why but it'd be interesting to get your perspective on it as a supporter mm, I've, to be honest I've not really heard this um, rumour but I, I don't know whether I've, I've just not heard this because I've, I've, there's been so many links with so many other players of players we're going to sign even though we haven't actually got new owners yet so I'm, I'm keeping a lid on the, the whole expectations thing because I've seen us be linked with with the likes of you know making Jetro Willems a, a permanent deal, everything from that to signing Bill Coutinho and and all the rest and Mbappe or something as well, so it's it's crazy to think. But if you think of, of, <laughs> well, of well, realist... this one comes from the Daily Mail, Marley. So just just to give you a bit of context, there. I don't even know what to think of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, Shakiri. How old Shakiri now? Is he twenty seven, twenty eight? I'm not sure, but only 10 appearances for Liverpool this season, which seems yeah. to be why he's being linked with an exit. I, d- I mean, I, d- I do like Shaqiri. Um I've always thought mm. he was a, a decent signing, especially for Liverpool in terms of a squad-type squad, squad type player. Um, yeah, obviously I'd, I'd, I'd take him at the club. It depends on what kind of money he's on and everything, but it depends on the, on the, the takeover going through as well. And if you're looking at uh, building a front four, of you know a, a striker and and three supporting midfielders. We've already got Saint Maximan and Almiron, who would you would assume would stay in the team. So, if you're looking for someone to play from that right hand side, Shakiri Shakiri likes that. Um, Matt Ritchie's getting a bit old now, um, and his his contract is. Uh, I think he's just signed a new one actually, but he'll be. Uh, they'll be looking to upgrade the team in that area. I would I would think if if some money does come in. Um, so Shakiri is a is a realistic signing, and with the with the offer of of decent money and ambition at the club, there's no reason why you couldn't attract him because he's not getting games at Liverpool. He's 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 happy to to be part of the club. I think at Liverpool, but he's he's not happy in in terms of the games he's playing. I think a guy with his his sort of ego would would want to play a little bit more um, and be the sort of big fish in a small pond like he was at uh, like he was at Stoke, but. Stoke didn't have the ambition that Newcastle's new owners would would pump into the team. I don't think so. Um, it 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 ticks a lot of boxes. Do you, do you know what though? I think this is exactly what Newcastle should be after. He doesn't come with the price tag or the 
expectancy of uh, Coutinho and he's an excellent footballer um, even when he played a lot more for Liverpool last season rather than this season and he's he's a great player to have around he's a very different kind of player that you don't really see much of like almost in the Tevez kind of build just more skillful so I think he would be an extremely good signing and I know that they've been linked to John Stones as well from our place and again he could be I, I really like John Stones. Um, I think he's a brilliant footballer. He's just been very unlucky with injuries. And then if you get injured at a club like City, it's very difficult to then fight your way back into a team because it becomes established. So players like Stones and Shakiri are the perfect building blocks for me for, for Newcastle. Before you try and go and get that ridiculous signing that's going to sell all the shirts, you put those kind of foundations into place with a a stones at the back stones in the cells could be quite a, a nice little partnership and then you get like marley said shakiri with saint maximan and almiron so it's just nice little building blocks it's something that city did at the start yeah we signed uh Rubinio, which yeah. was a bit of a, a mad one but the rest of the signings were were kind of like milner and de Jong and barry and those players who yeah they're not they're not going to set the world on fire but they're exactly what you need to to then build teams around. So it it makes a lot of sense as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, there was a link as well um, earlier this week that sort of split the fan base of uh, signing Danny Ings from Southampton, and a few fans were like, "No, that's we should be aiming higher." And the more, in my opinion, realistic fans were like, "Hang on, he scored a hell of a load of goals in Southampton's relatively poor team." So imagine if if you could give him the service that the likes of Shelby, Sam Maximo and Almiron could could possibly give him. If you put him in a better team, I think he'd score a lot of goals and it's that it's them kind of you've got to build your way up, like Adam said. You you can't go out and just start pissing money on on huge players and pretending you can attract them. Like, this isn't FIFA, like it, it doesn't work like that. So you have to build up and qualify for Europe or something like that before you go out and, and really get the checkbook out and go for go for massive names. But well, I mean, we'll see what happens. It all depends on this uh, this sticky tra- uh, trans- this takeover business that I'm getting exasperated at. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Finally, we'll talk about Everton. They're a club that have kind of made a bit of a mess of their transfer dealings over the last couple of transfer windows. And I think some Evertonians would certainly agree with us on that comment. Apparently, they want Roma's on loan uh, forward Patrick Schick. Schick's currently on loan at RB Leipzig. He's been impressive this season in the Bundesliga for Leipzig and in the Champions League as well. Um, For me, this is the type of signing Everton should have been after ages ago. A player who you can pick up for, for 20, 25 million euros, which in today's market isn't a great deal of money. He's got experience in a top European league, in a club um, which is progressing under a really exciting young manager in Nagelsmann. Um, they've been, he's been playing Champions League football. Maybe Patrick Schick is the sort of player that they should have been after a while ago. Mm, I, I know absolutely nothing about Patrick Schick with respect to him. Um, but yeah, he... Everton really have made a mess of some of the transfers. And again, it's the gamble. I always find with Everton, a lot of their transfers are gambles. And the risks on like, even Moyes Keane was a gamble, but it hasn't gone to plan yet. This this could be one that's that's less of a gamble because like you said, he, he might not attract, I don't, I don't know how much he'd be worth, but he might not attract the, the same sort of uh, money. But it's the likes of Shakiri like who Newcastle are being linked with, that I always think with Everton, it's more shrewd. And 
they just seem to pull the trigger on a lot of these kind of hype little players who come in, get a few goals, and then go off the boil a little bit. So I'd I'd love to see what Everton's long term planning is with things like this. Mm, I'll, um, a quick a quick profile check on on Chick. He's 24 years old. He's a Czech international. Nine goals in 22 caps for the Czech Republic. Uh, has played for Sparta Prague, Sampdoria, Roma, and currently on loan at Leipzig, where he's got seven goals this season for Leipzig. And also played for Mali's favourite Czech team of all time, Bohemians 1905. So should be a fan of him, Mali. Yeah, I'm just looking at his Wikipedia as well, and uh, I didn't realise that. Um, but yeah, obviously Bohemians, the best, uh, well, th- third best team in Prague. <laughs> but yeah, um <laughs> a place that lives in my heart <laughs> um but no I, I i agree with adam i mean i i know a little bit more about Schick. i mean he's he's quick um he's got a cracking left foot um he's he's physical enough to to cope in the premier league you would think i think he's like he's he's, he's over six foot um and he, he was tipped to do all right at roma but it didn't quite work out at roma but he's he's still got a good enough record at leipzig i mean seven goals uh, in 16 games, so it's practically one in two. Playing up front with Timo Werner. Werner's been playing from the left, I think, in a in a front three for them. Um, with Schick as the main the main centre forward in that side, so you would think maybe you know he's got he's got a decent enough pedigree. But I, I agree with Adam. I think it is a gamble. He might be very good, but he also might be rubbish. I mean, Cenk Tosun was absolutely prolific in in his league in in playing for Besiktas. So. You know, in the Turkish league, he was the number one guy, and they went and shelled out twenty five, thirty million on him. And the the guy couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. He's he's poor. He's slow. He's small. They didn't. It's another flop from Everton's um, recruitment recruitment perspective. I think they've got the money, but they're not spending it in the right areas. So, for me, if I was Everton, I'd be I'd be trying to sign someone who is proven at Premier League level, and I don't. I don't really. I mean, I've just mentioned Danny Ings. I mean, imagine Danny Ings playing up front in Everton's side. They've got more creativity than than Southampton do. There's no, there's no reason why he couldn't score goals. I don't think even the Liverpool previous link would be that much of a of a thing because he was injured all the time at Liverpool. So maybe you can look at. I just think they've got to get someone proven. There's no guarantee that Schick could do it in England. He's he's physically capable, fine, but so is Moise Keane, and he's not been. He's not been great, as he saw. Just spend your money on a surefire thing because the guys who they've they've signed as well in previous years aren't gonna. If you get rid of them, they're not gonna. It's not as if any of them have done well enough to attract a transfer fee to recoup. So you you have lost that money once you get rid of them. So if you get rid of Tosun, you might only get ten to fifteen million for him, and you've lost you've lost ten or fifteen outlay. So you're losing money. You've you've got to get it right before you uh, before you start thinking of. We know we can qualify for the the Europa League and push for a Champions League place because you haven't got a scorer. You need someone as well as Calvert Lewin to to really bang them in. So they've got they've got to get this right. This might sound this might sound proper weird, um, but I wonder if the current situation with everything that's going on in the world and there being no fans and players are having to train differently. I wonder if that will change people's transfer policies in that. Is this a really good time for a young lad who's who's been all over the shop by the looks of it um, to come and try and bed into a team whose ambitions are all over the place? Is is this kind of a weird time for for these transfers to be going on? Only only I only say that because it might be tough for them to get used to things. 
it's going to be tough for, for proven Premier League players. I just wonder if it's going to change people's minds on things. I'm not sure how, but it's just something, again, that I wonder if these um, people in charge of transfers are going to have to look at and say, well, is this person going to be right to come and fit in immediately and get used to all this change? Whereas, like like Marley said, uh, Danny Ings, who we can maybe just try and pull across from Southampton, who we know is a surefire thing. So uh, I wonder if that will change things, just to, as a question. Well, my argument would be if Patrick Schick can fit in at Bohemians 1905, then he shouldn't have an issue fitting in at Everton. Um, This has been Football Social Daily for Wednesday. Thanks for listening to the Premier League update from today. Don't forget, we'll have another podcast ready for you on Friday where we'll be fielding your questions. So get them into us on our social media pages at The Sports Social on Twitter. Our DMs are open also on Instagram and Facebook. So go and find us. Just search for Sports Social. Give us a follow and send us your question and it might be read out on the podcast on Friday. We'll give it a crack. Try to answer what you want us to answer answer uh, but that's it for today's show thanks adam thanks marley thank you thank you very much and we'll catch you on the next one football social daily with german doner kebab fancy something different for tea get takeaway delivery now via delivery and uber eats okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.